there is a name a name above all others this name has stood the endless test of time this name has changed the lives of untold millions this name is Jesus and it's Jesus he's mine his name lives on and shall live on forever while kings and kingdoms shall all pass away he is the Lord of all the King of all From history, denying all the many, many great things he has done. I've heard them curse his name, and they say there was no Calvary. Oh, but through it all, his holy name, he lives on his name. States. See, I only basically know the United States and our country, our wonderful country. It's getting darker. It's dark. It's there's really hardly no hope that you see but God in Jesus Christ. See, they may try to, and they probably are going to try to blot out his name. They don't really want him in the government. Well, praise God. It will never be blotted out. It will live on and on. It will change life lives. It has power to save, power to direct, power to have victory in Jesus. Praise God, that wonderful name. His name is Jesus. Praise God. Woo! There is a name, a name above all others. This name has stood the endless test of time. This name has changed the lives of untold millions. This name is Jesus, and it's Jesus. He's mine. His name lives on and shall live on forever.
He did not see night, the Lamb of God. 
when he speaks my heart and knows no fear of the peace when he speaks who is this king of glory pursues me with his love and haunts me with each hearing of his softly spoken words my conscience a reminder of forgiveness that I need who is this king of glory who offers it to me? Who is this King of Angels? Oh, blessed Prince of Peace, revealing things of heaven and all its mysteries. My spirit's ever longing for his grace in which to stand who is this king of glory son of god and son of man his name is jesus precious jesus the lord almighty the king of my heart king of glory who is this king of glory with strength and majesty and wisdom beyond measure he's the gracious king of kings he's the lord of earth and heaven he's creator of King of glory, he's everything to me, yes, he's Jesus, precious Jesus, the Lord Almighty, the King of my heart, King of glory, his name is Jesus. beyond measure he's the gracious king of kings he's the lord of earth and heaven he's creator of all things he is the king of glory he's everything to me and his 
We thank you for the offering today. I want to thank all those that uh, stayed with the church. We were on vacation for a couple of weeks, and we were up in the mountains where you couldn't get no service at all on your phones or anything, so we didn't hear from too much. We was coming back and uh, trying to find a place to come on up when you're ready, Andy. But uh, we was trying to find a place that we could get a hold to find out about Jane and different ones that had, that were having a hard time. We had a couple of people that was kind of running fever a little bit out there. But we had 27 of us all together. So that was a big crowd, seven cars of us. And uh, we, uh, we had a wonderful time, and I, and I thank God for getting it go. But can I tell you, I praise God. When I come off that mountain... Out there in the Bighorn, I come off there in Wyoming, and when I got down to the bottom, we started getting service on our phone, and Shirley put on the brought the podcast right off. We listened to two podcasts in a row, the ones that we missed, and we couldn't keep from crying, listening to the voices of those that we grew up with, those that have been blessing our souls each week. And I thank God for the messages, DJ, 
I praise God for the words that he spoke, and I thank God it encouraged us all the way home. And I give God praise for every day that he gives us, and I thank you for watching over us. Enemy tried to hinder us many times, but can I tell you, God was with us. We had a beautiful service after ourselves. We had a service, uh, all the little kids got together and sang, and all the teenage kids that was with us got together and sang and played guitars. And I praise God for the time we had together. I agree with what that song says. There is some people in the house today, and I'm not no prophet, and I'm not trying to point no fingers at nobody, but some people are spectators. They're on the outside looking in. You need to know Jesus. You need to know that he loves you. He's willing to forgive you. There is not one of us that was born like this. We had to be born again. We had to come to Jesus, just like we're telling you, come to Jesus. I don't care where you are, where you come from. I don't care what you did. Our Heavenly Father is here today to receive through Jesus anyone that will come and believe in him. And I believe that with all my heart. I know that God sees every life and every heart, every hurt, every memory, Every bad choice that you've made, God already knows all about it. But yet he loves you anyway. He told the woman at the well, you've had five husbands, the one you're with now is not your husband. And she ran and told, let me tell you about a man that told me all about myself. Why? Jesus knew her, and yet he went out of his way to reach out to that Samaritan woman. That's the God that we serve. Don't listen to the religious side. Listen to the heart of God because he loved you today. Praise God. Andy? I got to do the mom check. All right. How many here is blessed today? Yeah. Blessed you're in the house of the Lord. Yeah. All right. So if you're blessed that you're in the house of the Lord today, just say it with me real quick. Stay in the house. Stay in the house. All right. If I was the title of the sermon today, I'm going to call it Stay in the House. All right, I'm going to talk about something a little unusual, and then we'll get right into the sermon, okay? How many has heard of the story of Balaam and Balak? All right, all right, so good amount. So this will be a familiar story. If you will, turn with me to Numbers chapter 22, and we're going to look at verses 1 through 12. And while you're getting there, for time's sake, I'm going to go ahead and kick it up. It says, And the children of Israel set forward and pitched their tents in the plains of Moab on the side of Jordan by Jericho. And Balak, the son of Zippor, saw all that Israel had done to the Amorites. And Moab was sore afraid of the people because they were many. And Moab was distressed because of the children of Israel. And Moab had said unto the elders of Midian, now shall this company lick up all that is round about us like an ox that licketh up the grass of the field. And Balak, the son of Zippor, was king of the Moabites at that time. And he had sent messengers unto Balaam, the son of Beor, to Pethor, which was by the river of the land of the children of his people, to call him, saying, Behold, there is a people come out of Egypt, Behold, they cover the face of the earth, and they abide 
over against me. Come now, therefore, I pray thee, and curse me, this people, for they are too mighty for me. Preadventure I shall prevail. That we may smite them, and that I might drive them out of the land. For I wot that he whom thou blessest is blessed, and he who thou cursedest is cursed. And the elders of Moab and the elders of Midian departed with the rewards of divination in their hand. And they came unto Balaam, and they spake unto the words of Balak. And he said unto him, Lodge here this night, and I will bring you word again, as the Lord shall speak unto me, and the princes of Moab abode with Balaam. And God came unto Balaam and said, Who or what are these men with thee? And Balaam said to God, The son of Zippor, king of Moab, hath sent unto me, and saying, Behold, there is a people that's come out of Egypt, which covereth the face of the earth. Come now, curse me them, preadventure I shall be able to overcome them and drive them out. And God had said unto Balaam, and I love this part, it says, Thou shalt not go with them, and thou shalt not curse the people, for they are blessed. You're in the house of God today. You are blessed. You can cruise over to 23 verses 1 through 11. I'm going to tell a little bit about the story of Balak and Balaam. So, Balaam was a sorcerer. He was a non-Israel prophet. Balak was the king of the Moabites, and he was scared of the Israelites. He had seen their victories. He had seen what God had done for them. So they went to a sorcerer, as they would often do prior to war, and he said, curse me these people. Now, Balak, or Balaam, excuse me, he must have had a reputation it says, for the princes took a reward. They took a payment for divination in their hand that he would speak against the Hebrew children. How many of you know today you have an enemy that seeks to speak against the children of God? That's why you got to what? Stay in the house. You guys are catching on. So it says that he refused them. The Lord had went to Balaam and spoke. He said, no, it's not going to happen. They're blessed. He come back. He says, hey, nothing I can really do. God said they're blessed. So they went back. They went to the king of Balak. They said, look, man. He said, no. He said, did you tell him I was going to pay him? Yeah. He said, no. Well, why? He said, they're blessed. He said, all right, look, look. Let me get some more reputable people from my kingdom. Let me get some more people that's going to maybe let him know we're serious. So they sent out of higher honor princes to go back to Balaam. And he said, come unto him. I said, we will make thee a man of honor. We will give you a payment that's greater than you would ever need. 
said, stay here. Let me check with God. So God comes back to Balaam. And he says, if the men ask thee of the morning to go with thee. He said, go ahead and go. He said, but you'll do and you'll say, only as I say. Now, how many knows about the story of the talking donkey? Yeah, all right. So I'm not going to get too far into that. But this is where this takes place. So he's heading back to the city of Moab on his donkey. And then an angel of the Lord is in the way. Balaam, he can't see it. The donkey can. Donkey was more spiritually minded than Balaam was, even though he's a sorcerer, right? And donkey's going crazy, right? So he ends up, as the story goes, he hits him twice. The third time, he strikes him with a staff. And he says, the donkey finally says, why are you beating me? And he says, man, you won't stay on the road. You're making a mockery of me. He said, you not see the angel of the Lord? It says that he saw him. He says he repented. And he said, maybe, maybe I'll just go on back home. I'll just, I'll just go back home. And he said, look... He said, had you come further, I'd have killed you. He said, that donkey saved your life. He said, because I'd have let the donkey live. That lets you know what God thinks about Balaam. Even though he's speaking to him, don't lose track. Balaam might have had some prophetic things, but he was wicked. He was non-Israelite prophet. So Numbers 23, verses 1 through 11 Balaam said unto Balak, Build me here seven altars. Prepare me here seven oxen and seven rams. And Balak did as Balaam had spoken. So Balaam's already made it to the king of Balak. The donkey did get him there. He's made it there. And uh, Balak's upset. What in the world took you so long? That's leading up to this verse. And so they finally get together and he says, Look, we're going to go out and we're going to curse these people. And he says, all right. So they're, they're heading out there. And he says when they get there, he says, build me seven altars. Prepare me here seven oxen, seven rams. And Balak did as Balaam had spoken. And Balak and Balaam offered on every altar a bullock and a ram. And Balaam said to Balak, stand by the burnt offering, and I will go and pre-adventure the Lord will come to meet me. And whatsoever he showeth me, I will tell thee. And so he went to a high place. And God met Balaam. And he said that I have prepared seven altars. And I have offered upon every altar. He said a bullock and a ram. Now before the Lord puts this word in Balaam's mouth. Balaam has already told the king of Moab. He said, look, whatever God says, it shall be. He said, all the silver and gold in your house can't make me change what God has put in place. I want you to think about that for a minute. A man that makes money casting enchantments and putting spells upon people. He said, what God has said, I can't, I can't do nothing about so the Lord put a word in Balaam's mouth, as it says here. He said, Return unto Balak, and thus thou shalt speak. He returned unto him, and lo, he stood by his burnt sacrifice and all the princes of Moab. And he took up this parable and said, Balak, the king of Moab, 
hath brought me from Aram out of the mountains, out of the east, saying, Come, curse me, Jacob, and come defy Israel. How shall I curse whom God hath not cursed? And how shall I defy whom the Lord has not defiled? From the top of the rocks I see him, and from the hills I behold him. Lo, the people shall dwell alone and shall not be reckoned among the nations. Who can count the dust of Jacob and the number of the fourth part of Israel? Let me die the death of the righteous and let, me la- and let my last end be like this. And Balak has said unto Balaam, what hast thou done to me? He said, I have sent you to curse mine enemies and you have altogether blessed them. I'm telling you today, the enemy that seeks to destroy, you stay in the house. Even though he seeks to curse you, he will have to altogether bless you because God had said so. So looking at Numbers 23, this will be the second blessing. Verses 18 through 23. So in, in this particular place, he took him to another mountain range, took him to another top. Remember, they, they faced, the first time they faced the Israelite people where they could see the tents. And he said, well, maybe let, let's go to the outskirts. See, in that particular day, in that particular time, there was many gods, hence much idol worship. And they believed that each different region had a different god, right? Each geographical location could cross the line over into a different God. And maybe that God would see fit. How many knows Balaam was in conversation with the one true God, the God of Israel? And it says that he went up, and it says that he took this parable, and he said, Rise up, Balak. He said, And hear and hearken unto me, son of Zippor. And this is God. Speaking to Balaam, giving him a message to deliver again. He said, God is not a man that he should lie, neither the son of man that he should repent. Hath he said, and he shall not do it? Or hath he spoken, and he shall not make it good? He said, behold, I have received a commandment. You know God commands your enemy. He said, Behold, I have received a commandment to bless, and he hath blessed, and I cannot reverse it. And he hath not beheld iniquity in Jacob, neither hath he seen perverseness in Israel. For the Lord God is with them, and the shout of a king is among them. I want to tell you today, the shout of a king is in our midst. The shout of our Almighty is in our presence. When the praises go up, the glories come down. Bless his name today. And he says, surely there is no enchantment against Jacob, neither is there any divination against Israel. According to this time it shall be said of Jacob and of Israel, what hath God wrought? So the sorcerer has blessed him twice. He's went over to see him. He's paid to curse him. He's blessed him twice. Balaam says, excuse me, Balak says, I can't take it. Let's go way over here. Surely, surely God will see, see us over here. 
and he will be happy, and he will curse them. So in this third one, Balaam, he's like, all right, go over here, seven altars, seven rams, seven bullocks, we'll do it again. But Balaam was already wise to Jesus, or excuse me, God. And he went over, and instead of going out to meet him, it says that he went over yonder. And he faced the wilderness, and it says that he went into a trance. And it was in the trance he saw the Almighty. He said he saw the tents of the Israelites. I believe that he saw the Levite tribe bearing and caring for the tabernacle. I believe that he saw the goodness of God. I believe that he saw all that God intended for him to see. And I believe in deep in his mind, he thought, I wish I could be there. I wish I was counted amongst them. I wish I could die the death of the righteous, as he described earlier. But how many knows Balaam's heart was mixed? He was so mixed. He loved the fruits and the money that come from the unrighteous activity. That's declared in 2 Peter 2.15. If you want to look it up, Balaam makes it all the way into the New Testament. And echoed again in Revelations 2.14. And so it says that Balak's anger, he smote his hands together. And his anger was kindled against him. He said here, He said, when Balaam saw that it pleased the Lord to bless Israel, he went not as it was before. That's when he went into the trance. And he began to speak yet another blessing. He began to speak a fourth blessing upon Israel, which within itself would hold four oracles. And he goes on to provide a fourth blessing through spiritual explanation. He says the Messiah will deal with the two relatives of Israel through Lot, Moab, and Edom. He said that they'll deal with the arch enemy of Israel, Amalek. He'll deal with the Canaanites who are allies of Israel's and dwelt closely with them. And then he says he will deal with the distant nations and judgment upon each of them. And he said, and these are called the mashals, or the parables that he would speak. So Balaam and Balak would go their separate ways. And you would think that suffering that defeat, that that would be the end of it. But it wasn't. Long about Numbers 31, Balaam would no longer attempt to curse Israel, but he would counsel Balak. He said, I'll tell you what you need to do. He said, you know, he went back to his home unpaid and says that he didn't receive the wages that he had hoped to receive. He went back unpaid. And he had come back. And he says, I'll tell you what you do. He said, God won't allow them to be cursed. He said, because they're a blessed people. They're down there in their tabernacle in the house of God, worshiping. He said, what you got to do? He says, you got to draw them out of the house. You got to get them out of the blessed place. He said... When you get them out of the blessed place, he said, why don't you send down some of your women? 
He said, get them to fornicate and commit sexual immorality. And he said, offer them food that's been sacrificed and consecrated to idols that they might consume it. Do you know that when you receive something or consume something that's been consecrated to the spirit of divination, that you take part in it? Pray over your food. Bless your food. And stay in the house. Amen. I'm looking at time. I'm going to try to be quick. I'm going to give you my testimony this morning. I know that there's many here that's watched me grow up from this tall to this wide. <laughs> I didn't get a whole lot taller. But you've, you've got to see me grow up. But there are some that's hearing me preach today that you have no idea my story. Let me tell you my story briefly. My story is this. My mom and dad are sitting right here. Wave your hands. Love them to death, right? Good people. They love the Lord. They've loved the Lord ever since they were teenagers, and they've loved each other ever since they were teenagers. I was born under them. They were teenagers. They went to youth group, brought up in the house of God. I was blessed. Grandfather on my father's side took a church when I was very, very young. Blessed, this grandson of a pastor. Can, can you guys see the blessings flowing downhill? Grandson of a pastor. My uncle, that's his son. He's pastor. Isn't that a blessing? He stayed in the house. But I had a grandfather on my dad's side who would come. He would preach the gospel. He's faithful every weekend, you know, minus a vacation. Every weekend he's there faithful. He cared about the cares of the church. And on my mother's side, a grandfather that sang in the quartet, sang the praises of Jesus. My father, he's been Sunday school superintendent, children's church leader. My mom's been singer, praise and worship leader, uh, teacher, youth leader. You name it, they've been there. Right? This is blessings. Right? So, on one side, I had a pastor who was teaching me to lead through his example. And on the other side, I was out in the field during the week when he would come pick me up most days. And he would teach me how to shoot a gun. He would teach me how to fish. My father did a lot of this too, but this was just added. He taught me how to fish. He taught me how to work the field and how to be a man of God I would hold on to the rotor tiller when I was young and he'd say hey that ain't nothing you're glad it ain't ox like I used to have I mean this thing this rotor tiller bigger than I was he's hold it straight come on and he'd holler and I told this before I'd look back I tried to look back to see if I was running a straight line which it wasn't and he would holler at me don't look back thought what did I do I'm holding holding <laughs> and he said and we get to the end he said did you make it to the other side and I said yeah and he said how's it look I said it's not great 
he said, he who takes hold of the plow and looks back, he's not worthy of the kingdom. He said, beware that you be worthy of the vocation in which you were called. And I'm nine years old. I'm like, all right, whatever. <laughs> I remember it, right? He taught me how to shoot a gun. You need to be a good shot in case you should ever need to hunt for your food. He used to call me old dead. I got to be pretty good for a while. And he said, you also need to be ready to defend your liberty with your life's blood. And he would tell me, both of my grandparents were in the military. He would say, all gave some, but there was some never came back. And he would say, be ready to defend at all times. And I look in my Savior. See, he was like my Savior. My Savior defended my liberty through his life's blood. You have two defending forces, whether you know it or not. You have the Son of God who died for you and shed his life's blood. And you have the American soldier who died for you and shed his life's blood. I'm not putting him on the same plane as our Lord. But what I'm telling you is anytime there was liberty present, there was blood shed. Your enemy wants to take your freedom, wants to take your liberty. And so here I sat blessed. And just like any other young boy becoming a young man, my mother's father passed away. Crushed me, right? But I began to get older, began to come into my own. And I thought, well, I'm a man. I can handle myself. Got into a couple squabbles just to see if I could do it, right? That's what young boys do. Sometimes you go out and you might pick a fight to see if you can handle yourself, right? Sometimes you go out and think, well, I can handle it. I can drink alcohol. Let me tell you what happens when I started to drink alcohol. I never dated a girl that I didn't consider to be my wife. That was how I was brought up. So if you get young people, that's what they're getting taught in my class. And I sure hope that that's what they're practicing. But let me tell you what happens. It says that when you drink a strong drink, you behold perverse things. I begin to behold perverse things. All of a sudden, I wanted to date. I didn't want to date one. I wanted to date ten. I had to beat my buddies, right? This was the rite of passage for a man. I know my wife, she's like, shut up. <laughs> but let me tell you what happened because the good part's getting to her, right? I found myself with the blessing that the car, the car I was blessed with, I'd wrecked, right? Everything that I was blessed with, it was slipping through my fingers like grains of sand. Next thing you know, I remember I... I I remember it vividly, and I still know the guy's name. My wife would know him. I went with a, a buddy of mine named Joe Nerlinger. Good guy, tough guy, rough guy, athletic guy, kind of guy you want to hang around, right? Me and him, we was tearing the ball fields up. We were pretty good. We went to the tournament, and I don't think we made an out all day. But, man, this is awesome. And I remember him playing some music on the way home. Didn't think nothing of it. I fell in love with it. 
They didn't know what they said. They didn't know what it meant. It was a heavy metal music. It was a manly music. It was a choose my own destiny music. I remember the title of the CD was called Vulgar Display of Power. And that's where I went. Being taught under the house of God to be gentle and to be caring and to be loving. Somewhere along the way, the enemy says, don't that sound old? Mr. Nice Guy all the time. Get your perfect little life together. Get your perfect little life. How boring is that? Yeah, stupid, right? This is, this is where 18-year-old men are sometimes, stupid. And I remember being so distant. And I said, God, I can't find my way back. I couldn't find it. Because no man comes to the Father unless the Spirit draw him. Right? The Spirit had left me. Now, I understood what David meant when he said, Take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Spirit had left me. And I was out to fend for myself. And let me tell you, it wasn't pretty. I came into contact with psychics, fortune tellers. I came into contact with the spirit of divination. I came into places of people that I'm telling you genuinely hated me. By the grace of God, I've been rescued a few times. God has sent other strong men my way to help me out. And I remember, set me up, God, to where I'll serve you. So I was still coming to church like I always did. I had big burns up my face and down my, up my neck from the plans of the enemy. I had two fat lips, two busted nostrils from my car wreck. I was still tough. And I looked apart now, even though that thing whipped my rear end. And I remember I seen my now wife. I was like, whoa. She walked by. I was like, hey, how you doing? She kept walking. I said, see ya. I said, she coming back next week? I don't know. And just so you know, like me and, me and my buddies, we... We was the door greeters, right? We were looking for women. We, we knew that good women still came to church, right? We knew, we knew what we were doing. Anyway, so I, I eventually got to talk to her. We eventually got to go on a couple dates. We were hot and heavy. She was a young, new Christian. I was still the same jack wagon I was. And she said to me one day, she said, you know, why are you living like this? What do you mean? She said, you grew up in all this. What's wrong with you? I said, I don't know. Can't make it back. I don't know what to tell you. She said, I don't understand it. You grew up in the goodness of God. I had to fight for everything I had. Why'd you throw it all away? I don't know. Dumb, stupid, never had an experience like that? She said, yeah, well, I never had an experience like yours. And one night, I was sitting with her up at her place, and she'll remember it. You know all that times that you was doing good in the world, and you was tough, and you was handling yourself? Oh, the enemy, he come to collect the payment. All of a sudden, we was in her house, things started falling. 
heard something fall in the utility room. She said, what was that? I thought, oh, you heard it too? <laughs> she said, yeah, go see what it was. I'm like scared to death. Like, oh, I gotta, now I got to really be a man. <laughs> you know, I go in there and see what it was. I said, this, this thing fell off the top shelf. She said, that's impossible. I said, well, I'm telling you, it's laying in the floor. She said, yeah, that's, that's not right. Something's off. My wife was spiritually sensitive. And, you know, we might seem sometimes like an unlikely pair, but God put us together. And all of a sudden, the wind began to blow. And I thought, man, this is getting creepy. Wind began to blow harder and harder. It felt like it, felt like it was just swirling around the place. And then I remembered hearing a low growl. And I knew exactly what it was and whom it was. I thought, oh, this payment's due. I knew it because, see, I, I tried to find my way back and I couldn't. I thought, this payment's come due. I thought, if I'd have just stayed in the house, I'd have been fine. So what did I do? We began to hear it. I thought maybe I'm the only one that hears it. She said, did you hear that? I thought, oh, Lord, this is real. She's hearing it. I'm hearing it. Man, we got in my car. We drove as fast as we could to Father's house. And I began to repent. And this was late in the evening on the weekend. I began to repent. And I began to tell my parents what I was going through. And I took the book of CDs. I just took all of them. Because I couldn't afford for one to get left out. And they began to break them over and over. And with every break... I begin to get more and more freedom. And it come down to one last CD, which was the vulgar display of power. Do you know that thing rolled up like a fruit roll up? It wouldn't break, and Dad said, it will break. I'm going to keep at it. He kept at it, I don't know for how long. All of a sudden, the thing shattered a thousand pieces. One week, about seven days, for every little piece of that CD to be swept up. The vulgar display of power was crushed by the love of a Savior. And I was welcomed back into the house. Praise God, I've never been the same. Did you know that my modesty, it left me for a period of time. I thought she's going to think I'm crazy. When you read in the Bible, it says, with the Spirit tore the man. I was torn and ripped. My brain hurt like it's never hurt before. I could feel it like it was being pulled out of my head. You think, well, that's crazy. Well, I lived it. Sorry. But I'm telling you this much. My deliverance is good today. Just as it was when I was 18. I'm 43 years old. Never went back. If you just stay in the house. Real quick, one last passage if you want to, and I'll paraphrase it. Luke chapter 15. We're going to look at verses 11 through 32. This is the prodigal son. You see, I always thought the prodigal son was greedy. Then I realized he was just like me. He was the younger brother, right? I don't have a brother, but he was the younger brother. And he just wanted to be in control. He wanted to control his destiny. And it said... He went to his father. He says, give me my, my portion of the living. I might go out and do as I please. 
I think maybe in his mind, he was looking at how boring dad ran things. Now, mind you, this man was privileged. This younger brother was privileged. There were servants in the house. How many of you got servants in the house? No. You know, and your wife don't count, all right? So I know some of you guys know what I'm talking about. You guys treat your wives like servants sometimes. She don't count. That's where I was going with that. Anyway, he had servants in the house to do his bidding and do his beckoning, right? Who gets bored with that? But I'm telling you, it says, let me do my own thing. I want control. I want to do as I will. The way you run things is boring. So what did he do? He said he went out and he blew all that he had on riotous living. He went to every harlot in town. He went to a foreign land, went to every harlot in town. He had his fill in the bars. And before you know it, a tab outgrew what he had in his pocket. All of a sudden, women didn't want nothing to do with him anymore. The bars that didn't want nothing to do with him. No place one to accept him. It says that he hooked up with a citizen. Hooked up with a citizen of that land. And he says, well, I don't have any work. I, I realize you need money, but you can go out and you can take care of the pigs. You can feed the pigs. Man, that's a low blow for a Jewish man. Especially raised up how he was raised up, wasn't he? These are the plans that your enemy has for you. These are the plans. And it says that in the pigsty, he was eating what the pigs were eating. He didn't have any money. Nobody wanted to give him anything. He said, there's that guy that ran with every woman in town and spent all of his money on booze and liquor and living just how he pleased. We ain't helping him at all. Nobody cared for him. But way over in the, back home, you had a father that did. Back in father's house, they missed him. It says he came to himself. And he said, I bet in father's house that there's servants there that have more bread than I got. I bet in father's house there's good things going on. He began to think about how good his father's house was. He said, well, maybe if I could go back, just maybe I could be a servant. I'm no longer worthy to be called son. I'm going to tell you right now, I wasn't worthy to be called a son of God. If you've seen how I was living, I was not worthy to be a son of God. But he says in the scripture to him, he gave power. He gave them the power to be called sons of God. So he says, I'll go back home. And it says, the father, seeing him from afar off, he said, there's my son. And he says, I'm no longer worthy. He says, he grabbed him. He put him into his chest. So you don't have to say anything. The father already knew his heart. He put a robe on him. He said he put shoes on his feet. Put a ring on his finger. He was somebody again. He was a child of the Father. He was made somebody through the Father. Today, I am redeemed, made righteous, made holy. Because, and I'm separated to God. 
consecrated because he made me a child of the king. If you just stay in the house, the Lord will guide your paths. It says the steps of a righteous man are ordered by the Lord. Singers, go ahead and come back up. You think today that there's not an enemy that's after you. You're wrong. He beckons you. Come out of the house. Come out of the house. And it looks very different each time. You can go ahead and stand if you would. It looks very different each time. For me, throughout my life, it came in the form of cheerleading. Well, how in the world does the enemy get you out of the house for cheerleading? Well, let me tell you, it wasn't what I signed up for. I wanted my kids to do something. I wanted them to, to have drive. I wanted them to, to play sports. I wanted them to do well. I wanted them to be accepted in society. Cheerleading. I get to watch football and my kids get to cheerlead. It's great. It's a great deal if you're a man. Right? They stay athletic. They stay fit and in shape. But next thing you know, they got real good. My kids begin to get real good. Why? Because they were blessed. They could flip around, tumble around. Next thing you know, we're paying for private lessons all week. Cheerleading, cheerleading, cheerleading. And then next thing you know, every Sunday's a competition. Every Sunday. And real, the real competition was their souls. That was the real competition. And girls, forgive me. But the foundation that was laid, we had to tear that house down once they got us out of school. See, in school, they got too popular to serve God. They got too good to serve God. And they carried on out into adulthood because I built upon the wrong foundation. So we had to tear the old house down, and we had to relay the foundation. I praise God they're both in church with me today. I'm not telling you that they're perfect. They're not. I'm not perfect. As you can see, I can't even preach all sermon without screwing up. But I'm going to tell you this much. Your enemy says, come out of the house. I got something for you. Come out of the house. Which incantation are you going to fall prey to? Which curse are you going to fall into if you leave the house? Stay in the house. God bless you. If you have a need, first off, if you're a sinner and you want to get to know the Lord and step into what He has prepared for you, come forward. It's a victorious life. I'm not telling you you're going to have money. I'm not telling you you're going to be rich. You're going to be blessed. You're going to have servants. I'm not telling you that God's got a perfect wife for you here at this church. But what I am telling you, He has a victorious life for you. And He has one that has an expected and that's forever with him. Amen. Come unto Jesus. Give him your life today. Come unto Jesus. Let him have his way.
every heart here today you're not here by accident I'm not going to talk you into doing anything that you somebody else would talk you out of but I can tell you I watched through COVID people were ready to stay home the enemy will make you think staying home is the right answer can I tell you something you need the house of God every week you need to be here. And I went and watched so many people that not only left, but didn't come back for a long time. And sometimes they still don't come. I have met some that I used to worship God with that when I see them, I can see the emptiness inside. They've gotten out of the house of God. I'm not your judge. I need the house of God every day of my life. I can come over here. I don't live that far from here. I can come over here and pray every day. And I need to. Because I've got to fight this enemy that's constantly working against me, my own, my family, my home. I need the place that God has given me to walk in. It's not just this church building. It's being with God's people. I need to feel the presence of God. And when I don't feel it, I want to get around God's people because I begin to feel the presence of God when we get together. What a beautiful story, the prodigal son. Jesus told that story. Why? Because he cares. And he knows the enemy's trying to get people out of the house drag them out into the world. So many will say, but I need, I need, I need the world. I need this. And I know, because I, you know what? I raise kids. I know what sports can do. I know what jobs are doing today. But if you strive to be in the house of God, you'll be here more often. But if you use excuses, you won't be here. And it will hurt you. Spiritually, with God, it'll hurt you. You need to keep stay alive in Christ. You need to let these dead, dry bones that's in this world, you need to say, Lord, I need life. I need your presence. I need your spirit. Praise God for his grace today. I've wandered far. Away from God, but now I'm coming home. The path of sin, too long I have trod, Lord. 
come home. I'm coming home. Coming home. Nevermore to roam. Oh, open wide thine arms of love. Lord, I'm coming home. That's the message that God has given every church to speak. Bid them to come home. Bid them to come. It ain't about money. It ain't about size of a church. It ain't about anything but you finding your way to Jesus. He's the only answer. He is the son that the father sent to pay the price. He has paid your price. We'll only come home to. Praise God.